Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. Welcome to another episode of the Text Driven Podcast, where we're trying to provide you with resources to help you to live a text-driven life. And this is going to be our final episode in our current series on the topic of leadership. And to help us think about text-driven leadership, we've been reviewing a classic book on leadership by J. Oswald Sanders entitled Spiritual Leadership principles of excellence for every believer. And in this episode, we I want to talk with you about the topic of the perils of leadership. When we talk about the perils of leadership, we're talking about those things that can creep up in your character that could cause you to be disqualified and ineffective in your leadership. And Sanders concludes his book by sharing several of these uh, flaws that can happen within a leader's character. And the first and primary sin that will impact your leadership is the sin of pride. Notice what Sanders says on page 187. In quoting Proverbs 16:5 that says the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Could there really be a more heartbreaking concept to think about in your own mind? than to think about the fact that God detests what it is you're doing. Proverbs 16 says, God detests the proud of heart. Listen to what Sanders says, bottom of page 187. Nothing aggravates God more than conceit. The sin that aims at setting the self upon a throne and making of God a secondary figure. You know, that's exactly what pride is. Pride is wrongfully placing ourself on the throne that God should occupy. You see, every single one of us has a throne, and every single one of us has a person who we answer to. Now, the one who should rightfully sit on the throne is the one who holds all authority. And the one who holds all authority is none other than God. And pride occurs when we no longer see God as having all authority, but instead we see ourselves as having all authority. 
And because we see ourselves as having all authority, we sit on the throne and we make God a secondary figure in our life. Now, the reason why pride is so uh, sneaky in the life of a leader is because as a leader, we do exercise authority. When we speak, normally we are speaking to people who are following us. And as we speak to them, they will do what it is that we are leading them to do. And if we're not careful, that obedience per se to the commands that we're giving can begin to get into our mind and heart in such a way that we think it is because of us that someone is doing what they're doing. And it is because of our own greatness that we have such a following. When we take that type of position, we have allowed for pride to enter into our life. And when pride enters into our life, it aggravates God because we have removed him from his rightful place as king. So what do we need to do in order to defeat pride? Here's what we need to do. Listen carefully. We need to understand that a text-driven leader, a spiritual leader, is a servant first. Now, Sanders goes on to describe uh, how you can identify if you have pride in your life. He lists on page 188 three tests you can give yourself. The first is what he calls the test of precedence. Listen to what he says. Ask yourself this question. How do you react when another is selected for the position we wanted to fill? When you're due for a promotion, how do you react when someone else gets that promotion that you wanted? Are you joyful for them or do you resent that individual? Second test, it's called the test of sincerity. How do we feel when others identify the same problems in us? It's one thing to do self-reflection. It's an altogether different thing when someone else points out our own flaws. How do you do? How do you react when, when someone sees in you your weakness? Are you grateful that they're willing to share with you the weakness that they see so that you can grow and be a more mature leader? Or once again, do you resent it? Third test, the test of criticism. Here's the question. Does criticism lead to immediate resentment and self-justification? 
as a leader, you're going to be criticized. It's, it's part of what it means to lead. People are going to scrutinize every decision that you make. And when they criticize you as a leader, do you welcome that criticism so that you can get better? Or do you always have a quick response to justify oneself? One of the verses that I find absolutely fascinating in scripture concerning Jesus is actually in the Old Testament where it speaks how when Jesus would be brought before courts, he would open not his mouth. Now, I want you to think about that for just a second. Jesus is being falsely criticized. He's being lied about to his face in front of the courts. And right before Jesus was going to be crucified, he did not provide any self-justification. Instead, he allowed the critics to speak, and he opened not his mouth. What a display of humility. So how would you do in passing those three tests? The test of precedence? the test of sincerity, and the test of criticism. When you ask yourself those three questions associated with those three tests, you'll see if pride is a sin in your own life. He goes on and he talks about the second peril of leadership is the peril of egotism. Egotism. Now, we've all met leaders who were egotistical, puffed up, inflated, thought that they were better than everyone else. Sanders describes egotism in this way on page 188. He says, egotism is the practice of thinking and speaking of oneself, of magnifying one attainment and relating everything to the self rather than to God and God's people. When things go well, who gets the credit? Is it God and God's people, or is it you? When things go poorly, who gets the credit? Do you blame others, or do you take responsibility? You see, egotism does this. When things go well, the egotistical leader takes all the credit. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've attained to. Look at what I've accomplished. Instead of humbling himself and giving glory to God and giving credit to the people of God. When things go poorly, the egotistical leader is always blame-shifting, saying it was somebody else's fault, saying if this person would have done it, then we wouldn't have been in that position. If this person would have acted correctly, then we would have met our goals. An egotistical leader never presents himself in a place of humility. Sanders goes on and he talks about the sin of jealousy and how jealousy can hurt one's leadership abilities. 
He describes jealousy on page 189 as being envious of rivals. Envious of rivals. And he tells a story from Scripture in Numbers chapter 11. In Numbers chapter 11, Eldad and Medad come and are prophesying in Israel. And Joshua hears these prophecies and he goes to Moses and he tells Moses that these other people are prophesying. And he's saying to Moses, Moses, tell these two individuals to stop prophesying. And the response Moses gives is incredible. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 29, Moses responds like this. I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. You see, to Joshua... These other two Israelites that were prophesying were becoming rivals of Moses. They were competing with Moses because Moses was the prophet of Israel. But when Moses hears that Joshua sees uh, the his own brothers, his own uh, kinsmen as a rival, Moses corrects Joshua and says, Joshua, wouldn't it be great if all of God's people were speaking the word of God? You see, jealousy is when you cannot rejoice when God is working in other people's life. You see, if you're going to be a text-driven leader, your responsibility partly is to celebrate how God is working in the people's lives around you. Another peril that uh, Sanders deals with is the peril of popularity. Now, this peril right here that he deals with, this, this possible um, sin that could come and destroy your leadership ability, is one that is extremely popular today because of the social media age that we live in. There are uh, been tests that have proven that we are uh, captivated by the amount of popularity we have on social media. We love to always check our social media platforms to see how many likes we have gotten, how many retweets that we have received, how many comments uh, people have made because we crave the spotlight. We crave popularity. So we will do things in order to just be liked by other people because we want to be popular. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6, 26. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Did you hear what he said? That if you're a person, you, you need to be careful that not everyone likes you, that you are living for the affections of other people. Some leaders become ineffective because they care so much about what others 
think of them that they will do anything in order to remain popular and liked by people. Listen to what Sanders says on page 190. Leaders must work to attach the people's affection to Jesus. Now, what's he mean by that? Your job as a leader is not to get everybody to like you. Instead, your job as a leader is to get everyone to like Jesus, everyone to be in love with Jesus. If their love is only for you, the leader, then the sin of popularity will actually destroy your leadership. So let me ask you this question. Here's kind of a, a way you can see if you care a lot about uh, popularity or not. Do people care more about you than they do God? Now, let me just speak candidly for just a moment. Several years ago um, at my church, I was concerned that the congregation was enamored with following Pastor Tim instead of following Jesus. And I began to sense this uh, through the evidence of whenever I would announce that I would be out of town, inevitably, it didn't matter if it was a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, the attendance would drop significantly. I mean, people would tell me that they were purposely going to stay home because I wasn't at church. And that began to be a real concern for me because what that meant was in my pastoring, people were becoming attached to me instead of to the Lord. So over the last several years, I have attempted to be working in such a manner to encourage God's people to be in love with God and his word and to be thankful whenever and whoever is standing before them, giving them the word of God. So if you're a leader, let me encourage you, fight the temptation to love popularity. Here's another uh, thing that we as leaders have to watch out for, or it'll destroy us. Number five, infallibility. Infallibility. When he speaks about infallibility, what he's talking about here on page 191 is we have to, as leaders, be willing to admit we're wrong. One of the perils of leadership is when a leader won't admit that they've done wrong. You've got a, a, a bad leader on your hands if when you point out a sin in their life, they're justifying it. When you point out a misstep in their life, they're justifying it. And they are presenting themselves as the final authority, as the highest authority, as if they can do no wrong and they can never make a mistake. I want to be very clear here. Every single leader is fallible. Making errors are inevitable if you're a leader. Why? We're not God. 
There's only one person who can make a decision perfectly every time, and that's God. There's only one person who can be the perfect leader, and that's God. And the posture we need to take as leaders is this posture that it is possible that we can be wrong and be willing to admit when we are wrong. Now, let me talk to not just the leaders for a moment. Let me talk to those who follow leadership. When your leader is in error, do not show up with judgment. Show up with grace. Be willing to be merciful and loving when leaders fail. Part of the reason, let me just speak experientially for just a second part of the reason i think that leaders don't want to admit they're wrong is because they're scared of how those who follow them will respond if they knew they made a mistake you see sometimes in a church Pastors need to know from their members that they give them grace and love and mercy. Let's keep looking at a couple of more of these. Um, next is the peril of indispensability. Indispensability. This is that complex that leaders can get that says this. Nothing good will happen unless I'm a part of it. And some leaders have that mindset that unless they're there, unless their hands are in the middle of it, then everything's going to fall apart. And that's a peril of leadership. That is a sign of a weak leader. Do we understand as leaders that the only reason why anything good happens in leading is not because of us. It's because of God. Again, I point your attention. If you follow the Text Driven Podcast, you, you've heard me say this before. But in John 15, Jesus makes it clear. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The one who's indispensable is Jesus. For leaders come and go, but the one in whom we all need to be connected to if we're going to do anything that lasts is Jesus. So if you're a leader, let me encourage you. Avoid the sin of thinking you're indispensable. And then finally, the peril of elation and depression. What does he mean by this? He talks about it on page 193 and 194. Elation and depression. Sometimes leaders 
can spend too much time on their victories or the defeats. Sometimes leaders can bask too long in the glories of their victory or sit too long in their hole of defeat. When either of those two things happen, you've become ineffective as a leader. And it is critically important that you know when to go from celebration back to work, when to go from mourning and sad of your defeat and back to work. There is a time for both. Ecclesiastes tells us there's certainly a time to be victorious and there's a time to be sad. But those times come to an end and we have to get back to work. And a biblical leader, a text-driven leader, does not spend his time in his past victories. But instead, he learns from his past and he presses forward in the promises of God. So I want to encourage you. If you've just come out of a season of great and good victories, enjoy them. But then press forward in the promises of God. Maybe for you, you, you are in the middle of a, a season of great defeats. It seems like everything's you're losing at. Let me encourage you. Press forward in the promises of God. Well, that concludes our series on text-driven leadership. And thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Text Driven Podcast. For more resources like this one, go to our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. And if you're ever in the Southwest Florida area, let me encourage you to visit us at Fellowship Church on the Lord's Day. You can find the times and locations for our worship services on our website as well. Until next time, know that we're praying for you to live a text-driven life. God bless.